Those are the things that we are trying to stress to customers that they can do to make sure that they are acting in the safest possible way. Take a pause, stop, and feel free to end the interaction, end the call. Welcome to Electric Perspectives, a podcast that explores how America's electric companies are working to deliver the reliable, affordable, secure, and clean energy that powers our economy and our everyday lives. The show is brought to you by EEI, the Edison Electric Institute, which represents all U.S. investor-owned electric companies. I'm your host, Brian Real. Electricity powers our economy and our way of life. And with so many people now working and going to school from home due to COVID-19, we are more dependent on electricity than ever before. And unfortunately, scammers know this. In recent years, we have seen an increase in scam attempts that target both residential and business customers. On this episode of Electric Perspectives, we are joined by Jared Lawrence, Duke Energy's Vice President of Metering Services and Customer Service Transformation and founder of Utilities United Against Scams, and Monica Martinez, the Executive Director of Utilities United Against Scams. As we approach International Fraud Week, which is November 14th through 20th, and Utility Scam Awareness Day, which is November 17th, Jared and Monica will discuss Utilities United Against Scams, some of the common tactics being used by imposters, and how electric companies, other utilities, and their customers are teaming up to raise awareness and combat scams. Jared and Monica, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us, Brian. So I'll, I'll start with you, Jared. Can you talk a little bit about how and when Utilities United Against Scam was formed? Yes. Yeah, so Utilities United Against Scams was formed in 2016, but it was really pretty much a year in the making. Um, what had happened to Duke Energy was that um, it was an interesting story. We were actually um, having a focus group with um, some of our customer care representatives and our CEO was attending and she asked for just feedback and questions from the room. And one of the customer care representatives raised her hand and said, Ms. Good, I'm getting a lot of calls from customers um, who are convinced that, um, that we have some kind of leak because these scammers are calling them up and saying that we owe, that, that, that the customers owe the company money and they're up for disconnection when they, when they aren't. And they seem to have actual customer information. What are we doing about it? And, uh, and this was the first time our CEO had heard that question. So she actually turned to me. I was leading revenue services at the time in Duke Energy. And she said, Jared, what are we doing about it? And I said, um, nothing at this point in time, but I will get on that immediately. And so this was uh, back in 2015. Um, in case you don't recall, this was about the time that there were some major systems breaches at, at, uh, at major companies, um, some major financial institutions, some major hardware retail companies. And so we were concerned at first that perhaps we did have some sort of compromise. And so we immediately put together a, an internal task force to look into the concerns. We looked at every single customer channel. We looked at all of our vendors channels. We looked at our databases. Um, and we also talked to the victims who were reporting these scams. And what we found very quickly was that we did not have any sort of internal compromise, but that, that these customers were the victims of scammers who were just brilliant social engineers. They're really good at convincing customers that they had actual information, even though they didn't. So we got to the end of our investigation. We said, okay, we, we know that we on the Duke Energy side, we're not culpable for this. So we're, we're, we're okay. 
But I've reflected on it a little bit more and I said, you know what? Just because we have figured out that there's no sort of breach at Duke Energy, that doesn't mean that it's the right thing to do to leave our customers defenseless against these scammers. So at that point in time, um, I and a few colleagues within Duke Energy resolved to put together some internal capabilities to help you know, defend our customers against these scammers. And in working through the problem, I, I very quickly recognized that there were utilities all across North America who were grappling with the same problem, but doing so on an individual basis. And that was suboptimal. We realized pretty quickly that we could be much more effective if we joined forces with utilities all across North America to amplify our message and really and collaborate on tactics to, to protect our customers. And that's how Utilities United Against Scams was formed. We really gained momentum in 2016 after I pitched the idea at a uh, CS Week conference that year um, and talked about um, using a campaign, a national campaign, as the focal point, not only to get attention to the issue, but to attract more utilities to the cause and to get them on board with Utilities United Against Scams. And that was hugely successful. And that was something actually that EEI was central to. Um, EEI was um, critical in helping us not only generate the content for that campaign, but also in terms of getting us um, audiences with key uh, legislative, uh, key, key members of Congress to get National Utility Scam Awareness Day recognized by the U.S. House of Representatives, which again became the focal point of that campaign and is how we were able to grow the organization to almost 150 members where we are today. That's great. And Monica, could you tell us a little bit about how the coalition helps prevent people from being scammed? Sure. Well, one of the great ways that Utilities United Against Scams works together to help prevent scams is we're able to use the knowledge that we obtain from our customers and their experiences so that we can better prepare them for when they might receive a scam call. So in many ways, what we'll do is we'll track and we'll talk to our members, which are utilities both in the U.S. and in Canada, and we'll hear what the latest trends are and the latest information. And we also work in partnership with the Federal Trade Commission so that we can be on top of all of the issues and make sure that we're seeing what is happening and how the scammers are acting and doing our best to figure out and identify information so that we can share with customers. So that is above one of the most things that we do, and we do it pretty successfully. And with that, you know, we share the information and, you know, we let them know. And that's part of the reason why the Scam Awareness Week and the Scam Awareness Day, especially for Utility Scam Awareness Day, became so important. It was one of the ways that we could get the message out that utility scammers were out there. Thank you. And Jared, would you be able to maybe walk us through an example of how a utility scam might work? You had mentioned social engineering, but for folks who may not know what that means, what sort of tactics would they use to try to trick somebody? Right. So the, the whole basis of the scam, and frankly, the majority of scams, whether they're focused on utility customers or not, are based on the concept of catching somebody off guard and applying pressure to them in a way where they feel like they have to act before they have a chance to think and reflect on what's actually happening. And so that's exactly what happens with the utility imposter scam. It can take a variety of flavors, uh, but the, the most common approach is that a scammer will call up either a live call or increasingly now a robocall to a household or business. And, and the either the live person or the recording will state, uh, this is the, they might say the disconnection department from say Duke Energy. 
And we're calling to let you know that due to a failure to make payments on your account, you are scheduled for disconnections in the next 30 to 45 minutes. And so we need you to make a payment now to avoid disruption of service. If it's a robocall, they'll tell you to press one. If it's a live person, they'll you know, continue to, um, to put the pressure on there. Now, the telltale sign, number one, is that the, the concept of a disconnection department is something that really doesn't exist in at least any utility that I'm aware of. You know, <laughs> We would never use that term, so that's one of the telltale signs. But, um, but also, this, it, that would never be the first time that a customer gets such a notification. Uh, there, there would have been numerous messages on bills, letters, emails, um, uh, phone calls well in advance of the disconnection day to let customers know that they are running out of time and to give them a, multiple options for payments. Now, under the utility scam, though, the scammers operate based um, on, they, they focus on specific payment channels that are both non-traceable and irreversible. And so they're going to specify then that in order to stop this fictitious disconnection that's about to take place within the hour, that the customer needs to go purchase, typically it's a prepaid card. It's one of those cards that you can get at a grocery store, retail store, gas convenience store, things like that. And they're going to tell them to load a certain amount of money on it. That's going to sound like a, it's going to sound like a reasonable number compared to their, their monthly balances. The scammers are really good at knowing what kind of customer they're calling, whether it's a individual residential customer, whether they're calling a restaurant or a dry cleaner or a veterinary hospital, and knowing what a good bill would be to quote to have a higher uh, probability of sounding realistic and sounding accurate to the customer that they're calling. And so this, of course, puts the customer in a panic. And if they don't realize it's a scam, they're going to they're going to go to without thinking to get that uh, you know that uh, prepaid card to what they believe is save their business or keep their house from having a uh, having a disruption. And the scammers are really good about timing these uh, these calls, uh, particularly when they're targeting businesses, to times that would be exceptionally disruptive to the operations if they were to suffer a, a disruption of their energy service. And so they will often call a restaurant right at the lunch peak. They'll call a dry cleaner, you know, at the end of the day when they have a lot of customers coming in during rush hour to pick pick things up. We had one victim at Duke Energy who uh, manages a veterinary clinic who was called right in the middle of the afternoon when they had a lot of dogs under sedation. And so this was a, this is the common tactic, trying to find that time in which the the victim is under the most pressure and uh, and will uh, therefore uh, react thinking that it's the utility company, they'll be around later to resolve the issue when in fact, they're obviously not talking to the utility company. The customer, you know, is typically provided a phone number to call the scammer back with the prepaid card information, which again is another sign, is another telltale sign. Uh, The utility company, we have a vast array of payment options, and we're never going to prescribe a particular option and force you to call back a single number. We would always encourage you just to use our normal payment channels um, if you are at risk of potential disruption of service. And I know we've seen an uptick in scams over the past year or so with the pandemic and everything going on, but Jared, have you at Duke Energy seen an increase in the amount of scams that are targeting your customers? Yes, we saw a significant uptick in scam activity as the pandemic was setting in and it became apparent that people are going to be stuck in their homes for the long haul, really in two waves. There was a first wave um, early on in the pandemic before the scammers um, became as aware as our customers were that that Duke Energy and most utilities across North America had suspended disconnections. And so there were a significant number of attempts, but of course, nobody was falling for it because everybody knew that uh, that utilities had, had uh, suspended disconnections for non-pay and out of compassion for our customers. 
when we started to communicate that uh, later on in the year, toward the end of 2020, that we were um, beginning to reinstate our normal uh, credit and collections practices in a way that, that worked with our customers nonetheless. Uh, nonetheless, the scammers, they picked up on that messaging and started to target our, our customers heavily with scam attempts again. The good news is that the deception rate was significantly lower starting with the pandemic and then um, throughout the pandemic simply because customers were tuned to how much utilities were willing to work with their customers. And so being uh, targeted with this very urgent high pressure uh, tactic on the part of the scammers just seemed out of character for what they were hearing from their, their utilities direct messages. I mean, I can just kind of share, share with you though the, the big picture though. The problem certainly has not gone away. And, and since we started tracking this uh, activity at Duke Energy back in mid-2015, we've received over 97,000 reports in our scam database of attempted scams. Of those 97,000, 4,300 who reported those scams reported to having actually fallen for the scam and paid money. So that's about a 4.5% deception rate. The good news is, is that the deception rate was between 6 and 10% when we first started. And now it's it's typically down uh, well below 5%. Uh, nonetheless, those losses reported have totaled about $3.3 million just among Duke Energy customers. And so for those of you who aren't familiar with Duke Energy, we serve about 8 million households and businesses, roughly between 25 and 30 million residents of the country. And so you know, we're less than 10% of the entire US population that we serve. And that's you know, $3.3 million reported lost over the last uh, roughly six years. But we also have noticed that losses lately seem to have been on the rise with unease of the, uh, in the, the way that the economy is trying to get back to normal here. We've, we've had uh, reported losses of over $145,000 just since July and a reported deception rate of 6.1%. Now, I offer that up with a caveat, though, simply because we know that customers know that we know about the scams. So it's possible that they're just calling us less, taking the time less frequently to call us and report scams simply because they know that we know about it. So the deception rate could be a lot less. And you mentioned this a little bit, Jared, but I, I really just want to commend Duke Energy and a lot of your, your industry peers, especially during the pandemic with the work you've done to make sure that there are uh, probably more options than ever before to support customers well before they get that, that final disconnect notice. So I just want to take the opportunity to mention that for our listeners. And Monica, Jared describes some of the common ways in which people might get caught with an email or a phone call, but do these scams ever happen in person? They do. These scams can happen through a variety of mechanisms. So one thing to keep in mind is that all of these scams are what they call imposter scams or a situation where they're impersonating somebody and sometimes they're trying to, and what they are doing is actually impersonating somebody that we may know or have a business relationship or trust. So this can happen in person. This can happen you know, when somebody actually knocks at your door. And we have had instances of that happening around the country where there may be somebody coming to the door, impersonating a utility worker. And at the same time, it happens through the other channels as well. One of the things that we always do, especially if someone is coming to your door, is you know ask for an ID. And if you're uncomfortable, just shut the door and go ahead and make a phone call to the utility company and see if it's real. And we hold that same practice for everything. Really, if someone's making the phone call to you, go ahead, feel free to end the call 
and then go ahead, find the correct number, look at your bill and use that number to call the utility back to make sure it's correct. Same with an email. Go ahead. Just don't click on anything. Just go ahead, find your bill, call the utility company. Those are the things that we are trying to stress to customers that they can do to make sure that they are acting in the safest possible way. Take a pause, stop, and feel free to end the interaction, end the call. I know Jared earlier had mentioned that scammers are pretty good at trying to figure out the times at which customers and other people are, are busy and distracted. And the holidays are just around the corner. And I know many of us are excited to see friends and family now that more of us are vaccinated and we have safer opportunities to get together. Do we typically see an increase in scams around the holidays? Yes, we do, Brian. What we do is, especially when there is a long holiday weekend, um, we do usually see an uptick in scams. And what we know the scammers are doing is trying to catch somebody off guard. Um, and let's keep in mind that scams can happen to both small business customers and regular business customers, as well as you know someone you know who's a homeowner. So it can happen to anyone. And during the holiday season, you know people may be operating their small business and they have customers in, and so they may not be engaging and might be interrupted by any number of things that makes them not stop and, and really question the caller. And so again, stop, pause, and you know, do due diligence to make sure that the interaction is real. And if you're feeling pressured, the utility will never pressure you and harass you on a phone call. And those are other signs that scammers use. So if you're at home as well, I mean, we're celebrating holidays and enjoying time with families and friends, whether it be, you know, Friendsgiving, Thanksgiving, you know, all of those things. We are taking time, worrying about what's in the kitchen, um, you know, what's in the oven, other things, or getting ready to wrap gifts. I mean, there are a number of things where we may be distracted. And so what we find is that, yes, scammers will go ahead and call during that time. And it's during that rush, it's on maybe that Friday afternoon um, where someone is going ahead and being approached and contacted by a scammer. And then, you know, it can be nervous, especially as you're going into the weekend. You know, you want to make sure that your lights are on, that your power is on, that your fridge full of food is going to be working. And so those are the things that we really do. I mean, just again, stop, pause, end the call, end the interaction and find the number for your utility and call them back. Now, Jared, would you be able to maybe tell us a little bit about kind of specifically how Duke Energy is helping to educate customers about scams. And I know we're talking about particular campaigns here in November, but is this something that your, your team works on year round? Absolutely, Brian. And thank you for that question. So yes, of course, uh, you mentioned the, the November um, uh, industry-wide campaign. That's one of our two major campaigns a year that, that Duke Energy and utilities across, across the uh, continent, as well as EEI are, are instrumental in, and that is we develop multi-channel campaigns that include direct emails and sometimes phone calls to customers, alerting them to the risk of scams. Uh, we often do radio spots 
in all of our markets, um, not only in the on the English language channels, but also on the um, Spanish language channels. Uh, we are uh, we typically put uh, I guess what uh, folks in the know call hero banners on our websites, um, promoting scam awareness, and have a landing page then that that elaborates on the telltale signs of a scam and what to do if you think you're being targeted. Um, and and also too, we we have attempted to forge partnerships with. Uh, key um, stakeholders and policymakers to help them understand the problem and, and drive for constructive policies to better protect consumers. So that includes, uh, for example, contacts uh, at the federal level with FCC um, to improve the, uh, the rules around um, carrying phone traffic to um, better protect consumers, to working with um, a partner like Somos, who uh, we and other utilities report scam numbers to. Somos is the toll-free number administrator who um, has records of all the toll-free numbers that have been sold. And so when scammers are using toll-free numbers, if we report it to them, they can have those scam numbers shut down very quickly. And they've been an outstanding partner. Um, and also too, at the state level, we have uh, regular contact with our attorneys general um, in each of our states, just to let them know and to see if there are any law enforcement uh, or just general consumer awareness efforts that they are uh, pursuing at that particular time uh, with which we can partner with them, either providing data or helping to share content. And, and Monica, can you talk a little bit about the, the outreach that you do? And I know you participate in a lot of events throughout the year with whether it's legislators or, or regulators, but it, it really is an issue that is a top priority for so many people. Absolutely. I mean, we engage regularly, as you know, Jared mentioned, with you know attorneys generals across the country. Um, you know, I, I always like to highlight in Michigan, Attorney General Dana Nessel did a, a nice and a fun one. It was um, you know sort of one where she has a video with a cat, her cat, and so it's, it's a very cute one. But we really try to make sure that everyone is aware because the more partners we have the more tools and mechanisms, not only do we have to get the word out, but then we also potentially have other enforcement options, rules, um, you know, trying to do something to tackle and make sure that there are changes and hopefully prosecution of those who are doing things. I mean, the FCC recently took action on providers for trafficking, you know, these calls. And so we know that, you know, with all of these efforts, you know, our efforts are making a difference and we can see those actions being taken. One of the things that we do in, in partnership with our state public utility commissioners is again, they have an outreach and they're a trusted resource and they are able to share the information and make sure at all of the touches that they do, whether it's in person at you know, community forums or you know, on email or on their website, social media and those things, or just when they get complaints and they answer phone calls, they are able to be briefed and have the information to share with their constituencies. And Monica, are we only on the lookout for calls from 1-800 numbers or, or are they getting a little bit more sophisticated there? Ryan, we are seeing the with trends, we are seeing that scammers are now starting to use phone numbers that may look like they are familiar to us. So, you know, it may be the same area code, maybe even the first three digits of someone else's phone numbers who you recently called. 
Um, so they're using things that may, you know, trick us. Before it was always the just the 1-800 numbers. And that's where we were seeing a lot of the complaints from. And it was coming in as a 1-800 number and they were asking us to return it a 1-800 number. Now what we're seeing is really the scammers calling from a number that may be familiar. So maybe you're expecting a phone call back from a doctor's office and you're like, oh, you know, that's not maybe in my phone book, in my phone, and it looks familiar. So I'm going to go ahead and answer it. And, you know, people will answer it. And then the scammer is maybe not asking them to call back on a number, but instead keeping them on the line, maybe by pressing one to talk to someone else in another department to transfer to the payments department or to actually work with them right then and there to you know, initiate some financial transaction over the phone, either by sharing your banking information or by telling you to go on and using a third-party online app um, like Venmo, PayPal, Zelle to actually complete your transaction. And so those are the newest trends that we are starting to see that are having an impact and, you know, possibly increasing the number of successes that an individual, you know, scammer may be seeing. And unfortunately, it could be a loss of money for that customer. And that surely makes sense because over the past year and a half or so with the pandemic, there's been more people using contactless payments. So it's it's just the same as using cash or a credit card. It, it's just become normal for so many customers. That's exactly right. And we believe that that trend, I mean, it, you know, in talking with the FTC, we are seeing those are the trends that they're seeing. And it's likely only to increase in that way. Now, I know that I've probably once a week at the call on my phone of, hi, is Craig there? Sort of recording. And every now and then, I because I grew up in Massachusetts, my cell phone has a 508 area code. It says, oh, I see that you're an electric company in Massachusetts. Let me tell you about this, even though I live in D.C. Have uh, You had mentioned, Jared, that there are some more sophisticated attempts. So I'm curious, have either of you ever gotten one of those more social engineered attempts where they really try to make it seem as though they have the information, but really they're just trying to tease that information out of you. Any of those? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that question because I have a couple of really interesting anecdotes to share on that. So first of all, going back to, uh, you know, the birth of Utilities United Against Scams and that work that we were doing internally at Duke Energy on the front end to make sure that none of these were, were the result of any sort of data leak, which of course they weren't. Um, I mentioned that we talked to some customers to, um, to, determine what their experiences were with those scammers. And one of the customers shared with us, they said, you know what? The scammer had my exact balance. And we said, well, well kind of tell us how the call went. And so we started walking through it and, and they said that the scammer had called them up and they said, you ha- your last three payments have, have been rejected and therefore you're up for disconnection. And the person said, well, actually, no, I happen to be online paying my bills right now. And I can see that I made my payment for $349.16, whatever the actual number was. And it cleared right here. And then the scammer said, well, I'm actually looking at your account right now and I can see that payment for $349.16 and I can see it was rejected by your bank. And of course the customer was completely caught off guard and thinking, oh no, they're sitting in front of their system and they can see my payment and it was rejected. They must be legitimate. 
when in fact they just told the scammer, they volunteered that information completely, which then the scammer turned around to use against them, which then turned into a belief that Duke Energy had some sort of you know, compromise in our systems, which of course wasn't the case. The customer had given them to them themselves. But the funny thing was probably about six months into my journey, um, you know, standing up utilities United against scams, I got a call at my house from a, uh, and it was somebody who, uh, who, who said, um, hello, this is such and such calling from Microsoft. Uh, we are communicating with your computer right now. And we see that uh, you seem to have some sort of uh, data breach. And if you could, uh, and we'd like to send you a link to help you uh, patch up that security deficiency. And, and, and I said, um, I happen to know you're full of, and I use the word I can't use on the podcast because I have a Mac and I hung up the phone. And, and sure enough, two weeks later, I got a call for me. This is such and such from Apple, uh, from Apple customer service, letting you know that your Mac has a breach. So the point there is that these scammers are diligent. This is their day job. They take notes, they follow up, and they're constantly trying to evolve to improve their tactics. We've seen them try things like, instead of asking for payments to stop disconnections, they will contact customers when, say, smart meter deployment is in the news and, and make a claim that a customer owes a deposit on their new meter or else they're going to be denied service or, you know, something crazy like that. So they are very much attuned to uh, not only what their victim is telling them, but what's happening in the environment around, uh, around their victims so that they can tailor their, their, their attempts to be more convincing. Monica, have you had any similar experiences? I have. And, you know, I have received the phone calls from the, you know, ones portraying utilities and asking for information. And, you know, they will try to make you seem like it's real. I live in a smaller capital city and, you know, there is a smaller utility that provides my services and I hung up and gave the information and it's just, you know, made, you know, let them know that I had received the call. And, you know, it was one of those things that it's just, you just don't want to be a victim. And it can seem very real. I actually, you know, one of the things that we know from utilities United against scams is that when it's happening in one industry, it's likely to happen in another. And I'm sure some people like me may have received a false text message from, you know, their financial institution or someone else. And it can seem very real. Um, and that's one of the things that is, you know, very concerning. And so I personally received one of those. And, you know, I captured a screenshot, sent it to my financial institution, and it was fraudulent. But it can seem very similar because they're using the same language, the same narrative. And that's what we're seeing happen on the utility side as well. And it's, you know, only a matter of time where, you know, utility scams will you know, increase in happening through text message and other communications, because those are newer type of communications that we're interacting with our utility company. And it's going to be another method that they're going to be trying to use. So one thing I've read about is scammers often try to pressure people to use a payment source that can't be refunded. So there's no way in which customers can get that money back. So what are some things that customers should be on the lookout for if they're being pressured to use specific types, like if it's cash or debit cards or credit cards. I mean, what, what's the biggest red flag? Well, the biggest red flag is that if, if the scammer is, 
is highly prescriptive about a specific payment channel that the customer must use, that's a red flag. All, all of our payment channels are, are open to all of our customers with a few minor exceptions there. And so um, if a customer is being contacted out of the blue and, the, and, a, and they're being pressured to pay with a specific payment channel, that is an absolute red flag. The other thing too that I would, I would say is that if the appeal in general is a surprise, then that's a huge red flag in and of itself. As I said before, it is our, our practice and the practice across the industry to send as many communications as possible to a customer before they experience a disruption of service because the last thing we want to do is, is disconnect our customers. We want to uh, keep them current or work with them on a payment arrangement. And so they're going to get notices on their bill. They're going to get letters. They're going to get um, texts and or emails in addition to phone calls. So if that contact is the first time that they're hearing about this delinquent balance, that is another red flag. And that's a, if at any time a customer receives a, an inquiry about a balance, it sounds surprising. The first thing they should do is hang up, check either if they, you know, if they have an online account or have the, the app for their particular utility, go in and check their balance because that will reflect in real time what their, uh, what's really going on with their account. And they can validate that it probably was a scam call. And at Duke Energy, do you accept Bitcoin or Shina Ibu coin or Dogecoin or any of those sort of cryptocurrencies? Um, no. <laughs> and I haven't heard of two of the three things you just mentioned. <laughs> one of the things you just mentioned. So no, we do not. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and really for the work that you both do year round to help educate customers. Because like we see in so many instances, and especially with cybersecurity issues, the adversaries are just getting more sophisticated and their tactics are evolving. And there's a lot of work that the industry does to make sure that we're identifying these new trends and that we're socializing them and learning from each other. So uh, you, you both play a pretty critical role in making sure we're all staying up to date on the, the threats that are around the corner. So Thank you both for, for joining us and really for, again, the work that you do all year round to raise awareness of utility scams. Thanks so much, Brian. Thank you, Brian, for the opportunity to uh, share these messages. And that's our show for today. Thank you for listening and come back next week to hear more from experts and industry leaders who are talking about the innovative ways electric companies are building a cleaner, smarter, stronger energy future for the customers and communities they serve. You can subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Podbeam, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Electric Perspectives. I'm your host, Brian Real. Thanks for listening.